When I was growing up in grade school, every morning we started off the day by reciting the Pledge of Allegiance. We had learned the words, most of them anyway, and I know I was always a little confused. I, I wondered who Richard Stans was, and to the Republic for Richard Stans. Why does he get the Republic? But I was thinking about that. We said those words, we tried to say them with conviction, but I was thinking about some of the classmates I had in grade school and high school, classmates who went on to serve under that flag, who gave of their lives, gave of their time, would have given their lives to serve our country. Years later, the fine people here at Kansas Christian Church sent me off to church camp so that maybe they could straighten me out a little bit. And there we would start every morning again with the Pledge of Allegiance to the flag, and then we would say our Pledge of Allegiance to the Christian flag, and then the final pledge we would say was our Pledge of Allegiance to the Bible. Do you remember the Pledge to the Bible, that it is God's holy word, a lamp to my feet, a light unto my path? That, that pledge seemed hard because that pledge included the words, its words shall I hide in my heart, that I may not sin against God. It always struck me a little strange that we started off our mornings pledging allegiance to three different things, like how much allegiance do we actually have? How, how can we spread our allegiance that thin? Is that even possible? Allegiance is a word that we ought to take seriously. We ought to see the seriousness of that. It's something that needs to be solid, not just lip service, not just rote memory. It needs to be meaningful, and very often allegiance is something that's costly. Have we allied ourselves with Jesus? That's the question that James seems to be asking here. Have we allied ourselves with Jesus? Have we pledged our allegiance to Him? How is that allegiance seen? Do we realize what that means? Do we realize what that costs. We're continuing on in our look at the letter from James today. In James chapter 2, we'll be in James chapter 2, verses 14 through 26. And James begins verse 14 by saying, What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? This is long been a troubling passage for people that read their Bibles, that look at what James has to say. It's long been felt that this passage is somewhat in conflict with what the Apostle Paul wrote about being saved by grace through faith, not of works. But James seems to say that's not enough. There have to be works as well. And part of the problem with our perception here and the perceived conflict that we have with the Apostle Paul is well, part of the problem is our view of the word faith. How do we define faith? Faith is not this sweet, bubbly feeling that we have if we just try hard enough to believe. That's not what faith means. And so we need to ask ourselves, what is? What is faith? And when we look closely at what James says, as well as what Paul has to say, what we see is that faith is allegiance. When we say the word faith, chances are people have some very different definitions and understandings of what faith is. When, when somebody is sick, we pray for them. We pray for their healing and we say, we've got to have faith. If something bad happens to us or we mess up some way, we say, well, I, I guess I just didn't have enough faith. Somehow we've 
relegated the idea of faith to, to the idea of belief, that if we believe hard enough, then we are people of faith. But James, Paul, other Bible writers seem to have something very different in mind. Let's look again at verses 14 through 17. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, well, go in peace, be warmed and filled without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? And so also faith by itself if it does not have works, is dead. And understand there are times when we hear the word faith and we understand it as belief. We understand it as a, a kind of certainty that we are to have within ourselves. But that's not always the definition of faith that we see in the Bible. It's much more proper for us to understand faith here as allegiance. That when you take Jesus as your Savior, when you take Jesus as your King, you swear allegiance, you pledge your allegiance to Him. You're seeking to fulfill His royal law. If you remember from the passage we looked at last week, you have pledged your allegiance to Jesus to live for Him, to die for Him, and to serve Him. Listen to verse 14 again as we hear the word allegiance. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has allegiance to Jesus, but does not have works? Can that allegiance save him? Do you hear the difference? Do you hear the difference there? Suddenly, it, faith is not this nebulous concept that we don't always understand, that if I try hard enough, I believe hard enough, I might have enough faith. No, you, you've allied yourself to Jesus. You've allied yourself to His kingdom. That cannot simply be a matter of, well, I hope, or I, I hope I can believe strong enough, or I have this feeling of faith. That's not just lip service. Allegiance has to do something. Allegiance has to act. Faith is allegiance. Allegiance to the heart of Jesus Himself. When we look at the heart of Jesus, what, what do we see? Well, you know, we could go back to verse 8 here in James chapter 2, where James says that if you fulfill the royal law uh, in the Scriptures, you shall love the, your neighbor as yourself. You are doing well. We could also look at verse 15 here. If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking daily food, uh, one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled without giving them the things that they need. What, what good is that faith? Do you hear echoes of Jesus in that? Do you hear the echoes of Matthew 25? I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Allegiance with Jesus calls us to ask that question, who is my neighbor? Allegiance with Jesus calls us to see that when we do it to the least of these, when we serve the least of these, we are really serving Jesus. It calls us to reach out to the least of these. It calls us to serve Jesus. Allegiance. Allegiance always acts. Allegiance does something. Allegiance proves itself. Allegiance proves itself through its impact on the lives of other people. This past Wednesday, here in the United States, 
What did we hear this past Wednesday? I do solemnly swear that I will faithfully execute the office of President of the United States and will, to the best of my ability, preserve, protect, and defend the Constitution of the United States. That's what we heard. What did we not hear? Well, I hope I can do it. I, I, I hope I have faith enough. I hope my faith is strong enough that I, can, that I can do that. No, 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 that's not allegiance. That's not being decisive. We have to hear, I am committed to this cause. I have allegiance with this nation. Now follow me, please. Don't, don't get lost in the weeds there. Get back here. That's what Jesus expects of us. That's what faith in Jesus has to be for you and me. Not a matter of, I hope I can do it. I, I hope I have strong enough faith. I hope my belief is firm enough. No, it, it has to be seen in the way our allegiance acts. Our allegiance serves others. That's why James has to tell us in verse 17, So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Faith has to do something. Not something that saves you, mind you. Not something that saves you, but something that proves your allegiance to Jesus. He continues in verse 18, and he says, But someone will say, Well, you have faith, but I have works. Show me your faith. Show me your allegiance apart from your works. And I will show you my faith, my allegiance by my works. Allegiance always acts. Allegiance works. Allegiance does something. Paul is telling us the exact same thing. There's no conflict here. Paul's telling us the same thing in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 10, where he says, for by grace you have been saved through faith, through your allegiance to Jesus. And this is not your own doing. It is a gift from God, not a result of work, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. It's not the works that save you. It's the works that prove you out. It's the works that show that your faith, your allegiance has substance, that your allegiance is real. Now, James is writing to a predominantly Jewish believer audience, an audience of, of Christians who have been brought up in the Jewish faith and the, uh, the Jewish culture. And for those, faith is very much confessional. It's about what you believe and what you say and what you confess. The, the, highest, the highest statement of faith to the Jewish people is found in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4. It's there that we read, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your might. Jesus tells us that's the greatest commandment. And he says the second greatest is like it. And you remember what the second greatest is? Yeah, it's the royal law. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. That confession of who you believe God to be, that he is one, that confession has to do something. Faith has to take action. You hear that in verse 19. You believe that God is one. There's that confession that they all made as children. You believe that God is one and you do well. Even the demons believe that and they shudder. You see, faith is more than just confession. Faith has to act. Allegiance always acts. 
You believe there is one God, James says. The demons believe that as well, and, and, and they shudder. Our, our, goal, your, our goal is not agreement with demons, right? Our goal is not that we do something that agrees with demons. This is one of the reasons why, why I like to spend some time with someone when they come for baptism. Before, before we go into the waters of the baptistry back there, I like to spend some time with them to make sure they understand what they're getting themselves into. Sometimes I think we get the idea that the water back there, that that water saves people, that there's something magical in that water. Something magical happens and all of a sudden you're saved, you're going to heaven, you've got nothing to worry about anymore, we're dunked and we're saved. That's the same kind of confessional thinking that James is warning about right here. That's, that's why Peter, in his first letter, in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse, 20, or verse 21, Peter writes that baptism now saves you, not the water, not the removal of dirt from the body, but the pledge, the pledge that you're making in baptism, the pledge of a clear conscience to God. Baptism is our pledge of allegiance, and allegiance always acts. Allegiance always does something. It's not about the faith that just confesses. It's not about the faith that just confesses. It's not about the faith that gets into that baptistry back there and expects something magical to happen in the water. It's about a living faith, a faith that acts, a faith that does something. And what James is calling us to see is that living faith lives for others. Too often, we make, our, we make our faith about ourselves. We make it a very personal thing. And we say, well, this is my faith. This is my hope in Jesus. This is, this is who I am. This is my little faith. But what James shows us is that our faith is seen in how it impacts the lives of other people, how it loves our neighbors, how it cares for the poor and the least of these, how it meets the needs of the cold, the hungry. Yes, your faith in Jesus, your allegiance to Him changes you. But true faith, true faith always changes the heart and then results in acts of mercy and compassion towards others. To help us see this a little bit better, James offers two illustrations from the history of the Jewish people. Verses 22 through 25, he offers two personalities, two examples, the example of Abraham and the example of Rahab. Beginning in verse 21, he says, Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar. You see that faith was active along with his works, and faith was completed by his works. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. And he was called a friend of God. And you see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. And in the same way, was not, Rah was not also Rahab the prostitute justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way? Now, maybe you were a good kid and went to Sunday school and you learned all of these names and all of these stories. Maybe you weren't. I wasn't in Sunday school when I was a kid. I had to learn these later. But what James has given us is kind of a continuum 
kind of a line of two of the heroes of the Jewish people. On the one side, you have Abraham, the father of the nation. Every Jew could trace their lineage back to Abraham. He was, he was the man of faith. He was the man they saw as their father. And on the other end, you have Rahab. Rahab, who's a foreign woman. Rahab from Jericho. Rahab, who was a prostitute. Rahab, who is the lowest of the low. And what James is showing us is in that line of continuum from the great father Abraham to the lowly Rahab, you have this testimony of faith, that faith in both of them had to do something. Faith had to act in both of them. And the lesson for you and me is that, well, we, we fall somewhere on that continuum line. <laughs> Our faith is somewhere. You, you may not be as righteous as Abraham. You may not be as low as Rahab, but you, you fall somewhere on that line of continuum. You're either an exceptionally good person or you've, you've messed up and you're admitting <laughs> that you've messed up. But the promise for any of us, no matter where we fall on that line, is that you've got faith and that faith calls you to act that faith calls you to touch the lives of other people, to change their lives, to, uh, to prove your allegiance to the heart of Jesus. It all comes down to this final statement in verse 26. For as the body apart from the Spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. I think about that. We understand that, don't we? The body apart from the Spirit, the physical person apart from the spirit of that person the body is dead without the spirit i've in my role as pastor i've found myself at deathbeds many times and i can't tell you how many times i've watched as the nurse comes in as she takes a pulse as she feels for any pulse as she looks for any sign of respiration any sign of response and then those words are finally delivered to the family i'm sorry your father your mother she's she's gone I've been there when that's happened. And it's as if James is calling you and I to take the pulse of our faith, to look closely for any signs of life, any signs of respiration, and ask, is there any life to my faith? Is my allegiance proven by what it does? Can my faith, can my allegiance be seen? And I think one thing that we have to see from what James has written here is that that pulse isn't always going to be found on your own body. It's not always going to be found in, in your own self. It's going to be found on someone else. It's going to be found on someone else that, that whose lives you've touched, whose life you have impacted, a neighbor that you've loved, a, a need that you have met. One of the blessings that we provide as a church is we, we find ways to put your allegiance to work. You know, last year we found out that one of the most needed items in homeless shelters is socks. I mean, you and I, if, once we outgrow our clothes or get, you know, maybe we're, we're, we're ready to move on to something else, we, uh, we will donate our clothes. Nobody donates their socks. People wear their socks until they wear out. And so last year we asked people, go buy socks and we will give them to the homeless shelters in our area. We flooded the homeless shelters in our area with new, warm, wonderful socks. We put our faith to work and we did that. 
One of our ladies in the church, Pam Harmon, serves on the board of Choices Pregnancy Center, uh, an organization that helps young men and women as they're having a, a baby, as they, it helps them learn how to be parents. It helps them provide for the things that they need to, to have that baby. And Pam every year will bring in baby bottles and we fill those baby bottles with coins and donations. And I've seen dollars stacked inside those baby bottles and we give those to Choices so that they can make some very important donations so that they can make some very important gifts to people that need them. And then locally, we, we pay people's heating bills occasionally. We meet those kind of needs. We buy groceries. We care for our neighbors. Now, I love doing that. But one thing that I hope that, that we don't do is that we don't just pool our resources and do the big things, but that every day you are energized. Every day you are moved to help others, to reach out to the neighbors, to reach out to the, to the least of these, to see your faith come alive in them. That because you have pledged allegiance to Jesus, their needs are met that they know His love and His presence because they know that you are a person of faith. We come to our time of communion again. Communion is almost a pledge of allegiance to Jesus. Week after week, we come to this table. We come to this cup. We come to this loaf. And we're reminded that when Jesus pledged Himself to us, He gave His all. What can we give in comparison? we can give our allegiance. We can give our hearts. We can give of our time. As we take today, let's not just remember what He's given us. Let's remember what He calls us to give for those around us, those who are our neighbors, those who are the least of these. Let's take a moment and pray. Father, we thank You for the hope that we find in Your Son, Jesus. We find that hope because in His gift, He he proved His allegiance to us. In, our, in the midst of our need, in the midst of our hurt, in a situation where we could not take care of ourselves, He gave His very best. And so, Lord, as we take today, as we take the bread, as we take the cup, we're reminded that in as He gave His very best to us, we give our very best to You. This isn't just a matter of pledging our allegiance with our voices. This is a matter of showing our allegiance by doing the things that you've called us to do, by giving of ourselves in the way that you've called us to give. We love you. Thank you for loving us first. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless. Go in peace.